We are at the Red Bull Technology Campus and I'm joined by Liam, the scientist, Parnell. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been, uh, it feels like it's a frantic day, like frantic, like what's it, organized chaos. There's a lot going on, teams being announced. You've got the, the brand shoot. There seems to be a lot of people in the building here. Um, there's a buzz, right? Yeah, it's definitely uh, different to any other days. Uh, very hectic, but also uh, lots of fun. Yeah, it is lots of fun. And how often do you tend to spend time in this factory? Um, it really depends uh, when we compete. Uh, usually we compete in the second half of the year. So that's where I spend more time here than the first half. But uh, yeah, so when we compete every couple of weeks, when we don't, it's a bit more time than that. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a cool place to get to spend spend some time. So you have an incredible story, right? So you've turned your gaming passion into a career. Now, a lot of people that we have on the podcast have turned their gaming passion into a career by uh, competing, and, and we have lots of esports drivers on the show. Um, but actually, you've gone down um, a different route, and you've kind of framed yourself as the engineer uh, expertise within these, these teams, which is absolutely fascinating. Tell us how that all happened. Um, so basically, I started sim racing a couple of years ago, and um, often I got my advantages, not mainly through my pace, but mainly through finding little tricks like in the setups or um, in the strategies. So um, when I joined Redbull as a driver, I kind of noticed, okay, it's going to be rough to compete in F1 eSports because the level is so incredibly mm. high. But I noticed I can help the team a lot with my engineering, with my strategies. So I turned more and more into this role of an engineer. And uh, yeah, now it's also officially my role. So here I am. Yeah, it's very cool. And it kind of, um, it must feel very immersive. So a lot of the, a lot of teams, not, not in all of the series, but in F1 in particular, you're always partnered with a real world team. So there's this element of kind of immersing yourself in the racing world and the sim racing teams seem to imitate a lot of what the the real world team does so having you know a full-time i know a lot of the f1 esports uh, teams do have full-time engineers but having that full-time engineer in a role sat alongside the drivers and you've also got previous driving experience must make this feel like a real racing experience yeah it definitely does uh, macbook also helps with that i got uh, help from strategies like macbook so um they teach me a lot as well um, so yeah, I'm just super happy to be in this place and I can do this full time as an engineer for the best team out there. So, uh, yeah, super proud. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not surprised you ought to be super proud. Now you touched on something there that I was going to ask about, uh, later on. You said that you get advice from the, the real world, um, engineers, setup engineers, etc. How much crossover is there? Because that, you know, we hear about meta setups, right? Mm. You know, meta setups don't exist in the real world it's a, it's a gaming thing and there's yeah. you know there's a bit of kind of understanding the game element of it and the the physics that exists in the game which of course mm. isn't exactly one-to-one -one, uh to, to the real world physics so how much crossover is there um when you're um, when you're working with the real world engineers i think it's still a lot first of all you still need to understand the basics of the real world to understand what you need to do to tweak it in the game um so you can still learn a lot from the real life engineers as well. Um, obviously it is different. There is certain setups that always work. Mm. Um, but to find those, you still need to understand how stuff like right, how it works, uh, ground effect and all that stuff. Um, so if you get the knowledge on that uh, from the real world, you can put that also in the game. 
And I guess something else that uh, applies to the real world and to the world of sim racing is that you have to adapt your setups to a driver, right? So drive, people have driving styles and I, ex I kind of expect those to be more one-to-one -to, -one to real life. People have a preference of understeer or oversteer, for example. So how much of your job is making sure that you've got the right setup for the right track, for the right conditions, and then additionally for the right driver? So usually um, I kind of understand the drivers now I've been working together with them for a while. So uh, we have drivers that prefer understeer, uh, they prefer oversteer. So I kind of already know if I build a setup, um, what direction we need to go in. Um, also, we have to think about the race with uh, tire wear can differ from driver to driver. So race setups can also look different um, depending on how much they use their tires. So there is some um, differences for sure between mm. the drivers. How drastic are we talking? Are we talking a couple of points up or down on certain settings or, or can it be drastically different? Could you, you know, is it almost like a total new concept for another driver? Yeah, so it can be fundamental. There's obviously extreme though, and it's rarely the case, but it can happen that uh, you change one setting, all of a sudden the rest doesn't mm. work anymore. So you have to go into a different, completely different route where you um, try a completely different concept. Um, but the more you play the game, the more you understand. If you change that, then you need to also change this for mm. it to work. So you understand different concepts for setups, and you do need to adjust them um, depending on what the drama wants. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, your drivers change, maybe not so regularly. You know, you've had a fairly kind of like uh, stable, stable, um, mm. to use a Ferrari phrase, but sorry, I won't, I won't say that again. You've had a fairly uh, consistent group of, um, uh, of drivers coming in. But when drivers come into the team brand new, I expect there's an element of, of you having to not only kind of find out what their driving style is, but also kind of ease them into this role as somebody who is a staple in the team and not a driver. Now, all the drivers are competing against each other, right? So mm -hmm. even though they're all Red Bull drivers, they are going to be competing against each other, but they're not competing against you. Yeah. So do you find that when new drivers come in, you kind of take on a role of kind of settling them in and almost taking that like big brother role? Yeah, so when I got taken into this team, they treated me so nicely. Um, so I really felt at home instantly, mm. basically. And um, I tried to do the same for um, new drivers coming in. So, uh, yeah, I tried to help them a lot because uh, they they're not, they're not competing with me. Mm. And I think we have a almost like a family feeling in the team anyway. So even though they are competing against each other in a way, um, the team result is the top step. That's what we want to get. So um, we are willing to work together like, mm. completely. And and on that note then, do you share data totally openly across all the drivers? Yeah, data is completely getting shared. So setups, everything, data, telemetry data, it's all getting shared because mm. we want the best result for the team. That's what we hire. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah. And does that apply to AlphaTauri as well? Do, do they get to benefit from from the data and the insights that you that you build with the, the Red Bull team? Um, with that, we have to be always a bit careful because uh, F1 doesn't want that AlphaTauri and Red Bull are mm. working together. So we're not sharing stuff with them, but uh, obviously we keep a good connection to them. Yeah. Now, the other element that you have to handle that the real world doesn't have to handle is every single year, the platform upon which you're building these setups changes, right? So mm -hmm. not only 
is that different drivers on different tracks in different conditions with different driving styles every year the physics is essentially overhauled and you get a brand new game that you now need to design for how drastic can that transition be um it really also depends on uh, the cars in real life i think for example last year um when the ground effect cars got introduced also in the real world we had the biggest change in setup approach mm. in a while so um yeah it's kind of similar to real life actually in that way there's always some tweaks um like in real life you have regulation changes in the game we basically have physics changes often mm. Yeah, so there's a parallel uh, there. Yeah, there's a parallel. So the more changes are in real life, you can also kind of see mm. the more it's actually in the game. Like lastly, for example, with that big, big change to the cause. And and how long with a new game does it take you to to dial in to where you think you're at the optimum setup? When a new game comes out, I'm assuming there's some early access involved, but you don't really know what the final product is going to be. When that game comes out, how long does it take you per track to get up to speed with? the new characteristics of that track so usually um what we do is we throughout roughly a month i would say um, and we really just focus on setups different elements ideally just on one or two tracks not even change the setups for tracks just understand what everything does now mm-hmm. and how things changed to last year and how we could benefit from that so it takes roughly a month i would say but then again and uh, you can always find new slots yeah um, like for example, last year I still found better setups after eSports. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, even though we uh, played so much here in eSports, mm. you can always, there's always a way to improve the setup by that little bit. Mm. Um, so there's always potential, but obviously the first couple of months where you make the biggest focus, and then it's all about, after that, finding the small details about how we can get this. Not even half a term, I mean, less than even half a car, mm. and uh, understand race setups and all that stuff. Now, I'm really, really curious. When you test on just two tracks, are they always the same two tracks? Is it is it something like you do a Barcelona and you do a Canada? Yeah, so um, Barcelona is a good shot. <laughs> I used to, I love to test on that track. It's such a balanced track, you have everything yeah. there. Um, so Silverstone, I usually like to test on just because you get this high-speed element. Mm. You really understand how the car works in high-speed and what you need to change uh, to make it go even faster. So you have this balanced track with no speed involved in Barcelona and this high-speed element in Silverstone. And then you have most elements covered. Mm-hmm. And then you can always go on like Bahrain, for example, to try, yeah. Um, yeah, just happens in those style of corners and fine-tune that as well. Mm. It sounds like a lot of fun. Now, you said earlier that you get some advice from the, the engineers um, at the Red Bull Technology Center. Do do they ever come to the sim racing team for insights? Um, we they did give us some insights for sure, um, especially when it comes to strategy. No, um, interesting. So sorry. So so you're giving them insights? No, no, they they give me advice okay. for that. So um, we we learn a lot from them when it comes to strategies mainly with the engineering. It's a bit tricky because, uh, like I said, like you said. We can't copy all those elements from the real world into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like when, when there's opportunities, they do try to help us, which yeah. is awesome. That must be very, that must be a very cool feeling. Now, I am curious about whether there's any any circumstance in which the real team would come to you for advice. And there's one I can think of, which perhaps is Vegas. So it's available in game. Now it's obviously the the game version of it. 
it's not going to be absolutely one-to-one because the, the track will only exist at 7 p.m on the the friday night right mm-hmm. as before you know before the the practice starts which is fascinating um but you will have an understanding perhaps if the physics are, are hold true to things like tire degradation and driving styles and which corners are particularly tricky and the characteristics of them so is there any element of you kind of giving a bit of insight to them ahead of time um i think there's definitely the opportunity to do that um especially when it comes to stuff like the us um on a track like Vegas, and has such a long straight basically uh i think we can give some advice when it comes to that from our experiences so uh, there's definitely the opportunity that we can help the real team as well there yeah, I mean, that would be quite a, an experience having the real team asking you for uh, advice. And presumably the drivers, the real world drivers, are going to be jumping in the sim to to learn tracks that don't exist in the real world yet, but will soon. Yeah, potentially, definitely. Um, Megas is really nice in the game. I feel like um, if it's like that in real life, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a cool track. So uh, they can definitely already get uh, um, an early um, practicing for, for Megas. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be very cool. So, you are a previous F1 exhibition race winner. Uh, do you ever get the urge to try and get back in the seat? Um, well, I do. I do all the test races as well. We always need to do test races before mm. all our important races, and uh, I still love racing them. I still love racing myself. So, um, I do get the urge sometimes, but uh, I know where my strengths are. And I know the team needs me in an engineering role. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we finished twice in P2 now. So uh, we really want to win now. So I'm giving everything that we actually win the title this year. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Now, when the season starts, how intense does it get amongst the, the team once you first start getting the, the results in? Some go your way, some don't go, go your way. Like, what's the, what's the atmosphere like uh, amongst the team? Um, I think it even starts way earlier than that before the league racing season. Um, so immediately, a month into the game is when it already starts to get intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do know that you still have tons of time to prepare for event one. But uh, if things are not going well, it can get frustrating. But um, I think we have an amazing team. Like Everyone wants to help each other with telemetry. Uh, so there's no hiding data or anything. So uh, we know we have each other's backs, and I think that's awesome. We know we can rely on each other. Mm. So the, there is obviously some pressure involved, especially if you work for a team like Red Bull. You know, um, people are expecting you to win, but um, we have the facilities to do that. And yeah, we have full trust in it. So yeah, you're clearly in like the best place with the best expertise. I mean, literally the best expertise on this on this stuff. So there's a huge amount you can soak up, but. You obviously came into this position because of what you'd already learned yourself, self-taught engineer, and you earned your ne- yourself the nickname, the scientist. How did, tell us the story. How did it come about and who gave you the nickname? Um, so yeah, I was always known for my setup uh, abilities. Um, people always knew that I was maybe not the fastest on track, but I, I knew how to build a really fast setup and make the car fast. So um, yeah, people just... Uh, Someone randomly sent it on Twitter, um, called me the scientist, and then people just went along with it. Because <laughs> uh, I like to experiment with different stuff, try different philosophies on the setup, and uh, I basically come up with new stuff every week uh, that I found and I find. So uh, that's why scientist. 
Nice. It sounds like there's a real strong community around the the Red Bull drivers, and not just the drivers themselves, but you know the fans of the um, you know the Red Bull esports team, sim racing team. Um, you know the the people that sit in your Discord, the people that you league race with. There seems to be a really strong like community feeling amongst this team. Yeah, I think it's the same as real life. Red Bull has a massive fan base, and we also see that in uh, esports. So uh, yeah, growing as well. Um, and if I watch the team streams, they always get more and more viewers. So uh, yeah, I'm really happy that uh, people are rooting for us, and we know we have the support of the fans. That's uh, I think an element that you can't underestimate, knowing that uh, you have people that support you as well. Um, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, and it kind of makes sim racing as a concept feel very holistic. Having uh, an engineer embedded in the team, working with the drivers, exactly the same as it is in the, the real team. So tell us about the rest of the team. Who else do you work with with the drivers to make sure that you're at the front of the grid? Um, so we have um, people who work on uh, the mental side to get us ready to uh, prepare for races. We have uh, the strategy side. There's a, it's a pretty big team behind the scenes that maybe not everyone knows about, but um, people are working very hard, not just the drivers, to... Uh, um, get ready for eSports and ideally we want to take as much work off the drivers as we can um, so they can focus on the driving, they can work on their abilities on the track um, and we take care of strategies on that stuff. So ideally we want to get into a place where a driver does not have to worry at all about strategies. You can just uh, listen to the radio mm. and listen to what the engineer tells him and uh, go, go with that. So let's talk about that like on a on a day-to-day basis, right? Give us give us the life of an F1 sim racing engineer. Like on your average day, what what's the structure? What does it look like? Um so it always kind of depends on uh what day it is. If there is if we are when we close to an event or if we're further away. But um for example the other week, uh what I did, we had a race on Miami on Sunday, so what I did, um in the morning, I started off with building a race setup. Um, I used the quality setup from the team as a baseline and then adjust a few things to make the car good in the race. Then I usually get the tire info. Um, after that, it already takes like three hours or so. Uh, after that, we put that in the computer and calculate the optimal strategies. And um, then we have like a team meeting where we think about, okay, um, those are the strategy options. And this is what we think it's pointing in the world the best. And then, um, yeah, then we're ready for the race, basically. Simple as that. If it sounds, <laughs> it's not as, not as simple as it sounds. It's a lot of work. Um, sometimes you even sit there and so, uh, for like 12 hours just uh, calculating and driving. But it's well enough. It's what I enjoy. Um, I couldn't think of doing anything else. It's just so awesome. So the, the, the software that you're using, especially for, for strategy, there must be some overlaps here with what the the real world is. That must have been adapted at least from the what the real world team is using. Yeah. So um, I got info from the real world what they do and how they calculate strategies. So what I did, I kind of um, made a similar um, way of what they do in Excel, which uh, seems to be the best way for me. And so we have um, the same things as the real world. And uh, with our data, which is super cool, like I can just uh, put my data in, calculate it, and yeah, then we know what the strategies are the best. So it's awesome. So with all of these overlaps, and we've identified a load now, 
is there any ambition to perhaps make a, a shift one day to the real world team? And I'm not saying that's necessarily a shift up. It would be a sideways yeah. step, right? But is, is, there, is there an ambition there to, to move into that world? So what I told myself is I don't want to leave eSports until I want at least one constructors title. That's the minimum. So that's something that's just on my bucket list. I, I, I just feels wrong to leave without winning at least one constructors championship. Um, so once I have that ticked off my bucket list, uh, real, of, real, real world is definitely um, very interesting to me. I feel like, um, yeah, there's so much overlap already. So um, I think it would have to be pretty world. I've worked together with people of um, the real F1 team of Red Bull. So um, I can definitely see it working. And I hope there is an opportunity at one point to uh, see what I'm made of in the, in the real world. Yeah, that would be an incredible story, actually, for a lot of people in sim racing. So there's, sim racing is really interesting because it's not just about the driving. There's so many moving parts to it. You know, you have the, the drivers, the engineers, um, like the, the, the coaches. And then from like a community perspective, you have the uh, community owners, the moderators, the admins, the broadcasters, the commentators, livery designers. There's so much that goes into all of this. And there's so many routes for people to go from gaming in their bedroom to full-time job within that within that space now i feel like you're in a perfect position to kind of inspire others to do something similar yeah it's a really good point actually i thought about that too in the past that would be an amazing story to have and and i don't think it happened before so it would be cool to have an engineer actually um go from sim racing to real world we had people from real world going to sim racing uh, to engineer, but never the other way around. So uh, I think it's about time. But yeah, like I said, first I want to get the constructors championship off my bucket list, and then we, we move on to being uh, into other things. That would be incredibly exciting. So, right, let's get into the, the crux of this then. People who are listening, who are sim racers and race the F1 game, who have never dabbled with anything other than the balanced or maybe the aggressive or maybe the safe preset when it comes to setups give them your top tips where to start if you want to just take your first steps into the world of creating your own setups where should you start what should you consider so i think um what the smartest thing would be is i usually copy a setup of time trial from the world record you need to watch out and you don't accidentally copy one from like someone who didn't send a real time where you cheated or mm-hmm. uh, cut some corners um but if you take a setup from esports driver and then you have to set up and you can tweak it. Normally, they are a bit too aggressive, those time trial setups. So what I would do is put the wings, the wing gap down a bit, so the front wing one down and the rear wing one up. Then you kind of have a good baseline. And then from there, um, obviously, you still need to do a lot of testing if you want to nail the setup. Um, what I usually start with is the right hand. In these modern cars, you can gain so much time just by using... Um, the air underneath the car efficiently. So um, what usually makes sense is run the car on the front lower than the wheel to create a wake effect. Um, it's a bit complicated, but um, that's what usually works. So you want to push the front down as much as you can until you start to feel like you bottom out. Um, and then you can play about with the wheel. And then you will already see lots of green on your nap times. And uh, yeah, it's just the main thing really. Start with the right side, there is lots of time in that. Play about with the wings, and then you already have like 80% done of the synapse. That, I mean, okay, that we're going to clip that 
and I'm going to be using that when I'm building my, my setups because I've tried. I could do front wing, back wing, and I think rear wing. I think I know what that's doing, but, you know, yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, so with that in mind, then, the next question I want to ask is about driver style. You, you often hear people talking about you need to adapt a setup for a driving style. Now, there's loads of different driving styles, right? But what I'd like to know is broadly, right? Mm -hmm. not, let's not go into too much detail here, but broadly... What are the types of driving style and what do you need to do to kind of correct for it in a, in a setup? What should, what should people who are first taking their first steps into setup creation look for to identify what their driving style is? All right. So I think it's um, often quite easy to identify your driving style. Um, or mostly you can see it just by how you move the wheel, really. If you clip one of your laps and you see you're really aggressive on corner entry, um, then you also want to make sure your front is also biting into the corner. And um, that's one way to identify how your driving style is, which is obviously the first point. You need to understand what, is, what even is your driving style. Um, so that's really one way to, to understand. Look at the wheel, see how you move your wheel. If you are really aggressive, if your car drifts or mightily exit. Um, so those are the kind of things you want to look out for when it comes to driving style understand and then obviously the next one is building a setup for your driving style um so if you notice this and you see a lot on corner entry you want to build a setup that is more aggressive it's more on the limit so uh, you can use the car more and you can do that by for example creating more gap between the front and rear wing so for example use uh, 20 on the front wing on a setting 15 on the rear wing and you feel like okay uh, this is not aggressive enough up the front with my two or three clicks and it's going to make it a lot harder to drive give it a couple of laps and see if you can handle it if you can then you will see green in your lap time and um, the other way around for uh, people who have lots of oversteer uh, decrease the wing gap um, see if you can get lap time out of it you can also play around with other settings um, like differential or off differential you can update um, to make the car more stable um, but those are the main things they want to play around when it comes to adjusting your setup to your driving style. So wing gap and the off diff is really the main things. Okay, we're going to be listening back to this and writing all of that down. That was incredibly uh, insightful and there's so much to it. And it's, uh, the thing that fascinates me about setups is how everything you change affects something else. So you can never change anything in isolation because by doing one thing, you're then going to have to counter for it somewhere else or potentially two or three other places, right? It must be like you have this kind of complex web of relationships in your head that, well, if I change this, I need to make sure that I also change that, unless it's this driving style, in which case I need to change that. So you know, how do you keep track of this process? Um, often I load it down. Um, what I do, also what I forgot to mention when it comes to understanding setups early on, um, I have on my phone like notes where I note down everything I think I'd on about setups, like a massive list of everything um, I need to know about setups. That's one way. And then, um, yeah, it's just about um, mainly you need to adjust when it comes to suspension. So if you touch mm. one thing in suspension, there's a very good chance that it, can, that it messes up your whole car. And all of a sudden, you're free to slower. Um, so you really need to watch out in the suspension section. Um, so a front wheel suspension, anti-rover, and right hand as well. So uh, be really careful when you adjust that. Um, 
Everything else you can kind of adjust without creating too much issues in the car. Um, but yeah, when you talk through suspension, watch out, because there's a good chance it messes up your whole car, and you need to understand, okay, how do we fix this now? Um, that's what I'm saying. Start with the right height, because mm. you really want to get that nailed down, and then build around that, because that's uh, the easiest way of Start with the right height. Noted. Okay, final, final question. Um, Vegas. Brand new track on the game. Lots of people will be tackling it for the first time. Many people listening may not yet have started on a on a setup for it. Give us your top tips for a track like Vegas. Um, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's a massive straight. It's uh, insane how long the strain is. So you definitely want to run low wing here. Otherwise, you just lose way too much time. Talking that you want to push it all the way down to maximum of 20. You don't want to go higher than 20 here. Um, anything else is basically just, uh, you're just going to get um, destroyed on this rate, uh, <laughs> especially in the race. For Connie, you might get away with it, but mm. in, in the race, you can't, and you're just going to get dropped down the field. So, no wing, very important. Then it seems like the track is quite bumpy from um, my experiences. So, you need to watch out. You obviously want to run the car as close to the ground as you possibly can. Um, but then you have to think about if you go too low, you're going to start to bottom out on the straights. Mm. What you can do, a little trick that might not everyone know, if you increase the suspension, it stiffens the suspension and you won't bottom out as much. Mm. So that's one trick you can do if you feel like, okay, I can't push the, uh, the right hand down even more, increase the suspension a bit and see if you still bottom out. So, um, yeah, that's, those are the two main tips. Run the car close to the ground, watch out and you don't bottom out and run low wing. Don't think about trying high wing on this track because uh, it's not going to go well. Liam, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much. I'm going to be listening to this back and making a lot of notes. And everyone listening, I think, is going to be just intrigued by how much goes into this. I think everyone kind of knows that it's F1 Esports, right? They're yeah. not just winging it. There's a lot of prep that goes into this, but yeah. the detail is absolutely insane. So thank you very much for your insights and thank you very much for your time and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks a lot.